Good morning. Have a wonderful day. We dedicate the class for the safety of our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, especially those in the front line and all the captives should be returned whole. And Lila Nishmas, David Nachman, Ben Ramosha, and before Shlema for Karol Bas Miriam. So we are in the third chapter of Kiddushin. We left off in the bottom of page 65b, the bottom line. So Abaya, Abaya taught made a few statements regarding one witness, the power of one witness, and if the person is quiet, if he's silent, then we believe the one witness. If he contradicts the one witness, then, then of course, uh, the one witness has no, his testimony has no, uh, no legal uh, validity. It's your word against my word. But if he's silent, it means he admits, he agrees, then we do believe the one witness. Another thing Abayah said, the one witness said, we continue in 66a, your ox was nearby, had relations with a, uh, a person, had intimate relations with the ox. Relations, I mean, had, had uh, bestiality. And he's silent. He's not, he doesn't contradict the, one, the, the witness. Naman, we believe the one witness, and you're not allowed to offer this ox as a sacrifice. You can't stone the ox to death. It says if a, if, a, if a person bestiality, you stone the sinner, the person, and you also stone the ox. But that's only if you have two witnesses. But the Torah says you're not allowed to offer this animal as a sacrifice. That's enough. One witness, as long if the owner doesn't contradict. The Tanatunda, we learn the Raisen. This ox that was that uh, that uh, someone committed bestiality with the ox. or killed someone, killed a human being. Only based on the eyewitness of one witness, testimony of one witness. or or the owner, the owner confesses. You believed, you believe. So, oh, this is a mission of Bechaitis. So the question is, the Bible says, when you say one, the mission says one witness. What are we talking about? Of it? If you're talking about the, the owner of the ox admits, he says, he says right in the next, within the next breath, he says, if the owner admits, if the owner says, my ox killed, you said it's enough to go on that I'm not allowed to offer this ox as a sacrifice in the temple. So why do we have to repeat it? Surely we're talking about the chassis. The owner is silent. One witness testifies that an ox murdered, killed someone, and, and the owner is silent. So the mission is coming to teach us, silence is like acceptance. Now, the question now, the Gemara asks, why does Abaya have to teach us three cases? He gives us three examples where one witness testifies, and one witness is enough. If the owner is silent, one witness is enough. One example, if the witness says that you ate, you ate fat, non-kosher fat, and the owner is silent. And another, another halacha, Abayi said that if one witness testifies that your, your, pure pro, your produce that's pure became contaminated and the owner is silent, 
So we believe the one witness. And the third case, if one witness comes and testifies that your acts killed, I'm sorry, your acts sinned, there was a, it was a you know, bestia, someone committed bestiality with your acts, not all to offer. Why does he have to teach us the same principle, three different examples? In general, you just bring one example, one concrete example, and from this you learn, you extract the underlying principle, and you apply it all across the board. Like telling a child, two apples and two apples is four apples. You don't have to spell it out. Two chairs and two chairs is four. <laughs> you, you understand, you, you learn. The abstract, you learn from the concrete. You bring it in, the Torah always speaks in concrete. You give a concrete example. From this, you extract the principle and apply it across the board. Why do you have to give me three examples? And why stop at three? If you want to give me example, give me a hundred examples. The Gemara says, no, Tzricha, he had to teach me these three examples. I wouldn't know one from the other. He asked me not to come. If he would just teach me the first halach that you're obligated, that he says, that you ate non-kosher fat from a domesticated kosher animal, I would say only in this case do we say that the silence is admission, equals admission. Why? Because he wouldn't sin to bring a regular, a regular animal, slaughter a regular animal, a non-sacred animal in the, in the courtyard is a severe sin. So what, if he wasn't certain that the, that the witness is correct, that he indeed ate from the fat, and therefore the penalty is cut, if you do it intentionally, you get, your life gets cut off, and therefore if you do it unintentionally, you have to bring a sacrifice. And therefore, it's a legitimate sacrifice. It's a sacred animal. He wouldn't have done it. So his silence, only in this case, could you say, could you interpret his silence as admission. If someone tells me that your, your, your pure food, your food which is pure, has become contaminated. You know why he's quiet? He says, what's the big deal? It's okay, so, it's in, so what's the worst that can happen? I'll eat it in a time when I'm impure. I'm not admitting that they're really impure. Maybe, I don't believe. I don't believe. But he says, even if I believe the witness, okay, so what's the, what do I have to argue with the witness? Even if, I, even if I'm silent and I agree with him. What's the worst that can happen? That means... I'll have to eat it. I'm restricted. I'm only allowed to eat it when I'm in, in a state of impurity. Fine. It's not a big loss. So I'm not going to bother arguing. In the first case, he would have argued. If, if the witness was wrong, he would have argued with him. So if he doesn't argue, it's clear that he is 100% agrees with the witness. Here, he doesn't have to 100% agree with the witness. Maybe he thinks to himself, the witness is hacking. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But why, why bother arguing? Why waste my breath? Okay, so I'll, I'll be silent. I'll, I'll acquiesce. So what's the worst that can be? Okay, so I'll eat it when I'm impure. But it doesn't mean that he's agreeing with the agent. So therefore, the, the witness, so the one witness is one witness. Why should we believe him? Maybe the whole fruit, the whole yield, the food is really pure. His silence can be interpreted as an admission. We ask me not if Abayu let me know that even in this case we believe him because silence is interpreted as as, as, as admission. Because at the end of the day, because there is an inconvenience. I lose out. If I'm silent and I agree with the witness, I'm losing out. I can't eat it in the days that I'm pure. So the fact that he's silent, so we, inter- we say we interpret it as admission. Abu Shayr Nirba to tell me that my axe 
that someone committed bestiality with my axe. What am I losing out? Is a regular axe being going to be used as a sacrifice, consecrated? So this will be like 99.9.9% of all axe in the world that are not going to be offered as a sacrifice. So I don't have to offer it as a sacrifice. I can just use it uh, for my Shabbos meal. <laughs> What's after? So I won't be able to bring it as a sacrifice. Why waste my breath and argue with the one witness, even if I disagree with him? I don't trust him. I'm not admitting anything. I'm not saying he's right. I don't know. I don't know what he's saying. Uh, so it's one, it's one person saying, so my admission doesn't mean anything. So that's why he says, no, but even in this case, admission is the equivalent of, the silence is the equivalent of admission. The same today, all those who are silent, the deafening silence, in the face of the, of the, uh, of the savagery, and barbarism of Hamas, that means you admit, that means you're happy, you agree with them, that you are a Nazi. And you're worse than them. You're intellectual terrorist that's worse than the terrorist. You're just as evil as them. Absolutely evil. Silence is admission. Period. No excuses. They question. One witness comes and testifies, tells her husband, you should know your wife committed adultery. I saw it with my own eyes. If you're not allowed to live with her, you have to divorce her. She's an adulteress. And the husband is quiet. Mao. Does that mean that he agrees with the, the witness? He admits that it's true? Abai says, yes, we believe the one witness. But since quiet, silence is equivalent of admission. And if the husband says, my wife committed adultery, he's not allowed to live with her anymore. We can't sentence the woman based on his testimony, but for himself, he prohibited her to him. She, he says he committed adultery. So he can't live with her. So if silence equals admission, so therefore he's not allowed to live with her. Rav argues. Rav no, One witness does not believe to prohibit the wife and the husband. Because it's a Dabashabarva. Anything to do with a marriage relationship and Dabashabarva. Yeah, but the husband is silent. But he disagrees with Abaye. He said, it's not a full... It's based on the one witness. It's not a full admission. He didn't prohibit on himself. He's just like, I don't know, maybe. So he, it's not enough to say that he's prohibiting her on himself, which a person has the power. A person could make, say something is prohibited. So for himself, we believe him that for you it's prohibited. But he's not saying... He's not saying for certain. It's not a full admission. Maybe, maybe what he's saying is right. I'm not arguing with you. But that's not enough to prohibit her to him. Where do I know this Zadin? That one witness is enough to prohibit the wife and the husband if the husband is silent. There was a blind person. He would come and review the Mishnayas by heart in front of Shemur. You can only do it by heart. He was blind. One day he came late. And, and until, until the day passed, it turned dark. Send a messenger to, to call him. And the shliach went one way. The, the, the blind one came to Shmuel through a different way. And the shliach came and he bumped into the blind one. Amr, 
Ishtizins. So he missed the blind one. So he comes to the house and he sees that the wife of the blind one is having an affair. Her husband is blind. So she's having an affair. So when the Shliach met the, the when he meets the, the blind one, he tells him he tells him what he saw. Also coming to Shmuel. So the blind person came before Shmuel. What should he do? Is he allowed to live with his wife? If you trust and believe the blood, this this witness, this uh, this witness, this agent, then you have to divorce him because you're not you're not denying, you're not saying it's not true. You don't know. You can't say it's not true. You're blind. If you don't believe him, you don't trust him. So by love, so Shmuel Abai interprets Shmuel. Surely, what did Shmuel mean? If you believe that this this agent, this this test, this witness, one witness, is a kosher witness, he's not a thief. He's a kosher witness. He's an honest person. So then you have to divorce him. But Rava disagrees with Abaya. He says, "No, you didn't, you didn't understand what Shmuel said. Shmuel said, 'Today, if you trust him, like two, to you, this one witness is like the equivalent of two witnesses. Those you know for certain that he doesn't lie. He's a, he's a holy person. He's a saintly person. He never says a lie in his life. Then Zilavke, Vilav. If not, he's just like any other one, uh, any other kosher one witness who's kosher." You don't, have to, you don't have to divorce him based on his testimony. It's one person's testimony. We don't know that one person is believed, one witness is believed, even when it comes to marriage and relationships. It was an episode with Yana, the king. He went to fight, to do war, to battle. Which was Bamidbar in the desert, and he successfully captured sixty large cities. When he came back to Israel, he was tremendously joyful. What a triumph! He called all the wise ones of Israel, and he said to them, "Our parents, who built up second base Amigdash, were so poor." They were so impoverished that they ate, all they ate was maluchim. All they had was vegetables to eat. It's man, So af also us, that we became so rich that Hashem helped us. We conquered 60 large cities with all the, uh, all the booty and the... Still in all, we should only eat vegetables to commemorate our ancestors to thank Hashem that Hashem caused us to be so successful and he made us so rich so wealthy and they had tables of gold and they ate the vegetables there was a, a scoffer who had a terrible evil heart and an evil person he threw off the yoke of heaven Peter His name is Elazar Peter. You allowed to name the name of a wicked. Peter. This Elazar Peter, this wicked, wicked one, said to Yanni the king, Yanni the king, 
the Purushim, the, 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 the religious ones, the observant ones who follow the oral Torah, are angry at you. They hate you. They're not happy in your success. How can I prove it to you? That I'm, what I'm telling you is correct. In other words, so, so Yana Amel says, how, how can I prove it? How do I know what you're saying is correct? You're telling me that here they're smiling to me and they're supporting me. You're telling me that inside they feel the exact opposite. How, how, how do I prove that? Prove it to me. So Elizabeth Peter says, Wear the tzitz. The tzitz is one of the eight garments that is unique to the high priest between your eyes and see how they respond. When he put on the tzitz, there was one of the things, the wise one, there was one elderly, it's enough that Hashem gave you the crown of royalty. Leave, leave the crown of, of Kohuna for, this, for the sons of Aaron. You're not kosher to be a Kohen. Why are you wearing the tzitz? It was that he wasn't even allowed to be a king. Because he couldn't marry, he was a son of slaves. He couldn't marry a non-Jews. He couldn't marry a Kohen. But that's only rabbinically. Biblically, he was allowed to. So after the fact, he didn't mention anything. It's enough that you're a king, but don't try to be a koyin. Why? He was a koyin. He came from the family of koyin. He came from the chashvanoyim. Shahoyu, imrim, imayin, yishbiz. Mimediyim. Because the, 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 the rabbi said that his mother was captured in a place called Mediyim. And that someone who's captured, who was a captive, we assume she was raped by, a go, by the Goyim, the captors. She was raped by Hamas, and therefore she's not allowed to, not allowed to marry a Goyim. So the father, Yana's father, married, a, was a Goyim, Shalaikadin. He's not allowed to. He married her, the Goyim. His father was a Goyim, but he married the mother he was not allowed to marry the mother so therefore the children are, are no longer kainim. lose a halalim they lose the status the sanctity of a kain so therefore he's not a kain and they searched afterwards they investigated and they couldn't establish that that um, that, that Yanai that Yanai that is, he's invalidated from being a koyim. And Yana uh, Amal got very angry at them. He investigated. He says, there's no proof that my mother was captured or my mother was, uh, you know, was raped. So he separated the rabbis in anger. This scoundrel said to Yana Amela, Yana Amela, head it should be so, Kachadine. If a regular Jew and someone and shames him and slanders him, right? There should be a punishment, right? You're a king, the Kayan Gadol, and you're a Kayan, and the Kayan Gadol, the high priest. That the rabbi should 
should shame you and you should uh, insult you and uh, and uh, slander you and you should be silent. So Ayana says, so what should I do? What should be the punishment? The rabbis. Peter said, that's us if you don't listen to my advice. Kill them. So he says, what's going to happen to all the Torah? These rabbis are the depository of Torah. If I'm going to kill out all the rabbis, what's going to happen to the Torah? So he says, even if you kill the rabbis, they'll still be in the corner. Anyone who can come and learn Torah. That moment, Yanei Melech expressed Apikurus's heresy. Because he should have answered, He should have said that the written Torah is here. The written Torah is not going anywhere. So anyone can study it. But Torah wasn't recorded at that time. Everything was transmitted orally. If I wipe out all the rabbis of the depository, uh, the link, the golden chain that goes all the way back to Moshe, the oral Torah, will be lost. So in other words, at that moment, he became a heretic. He didn't believe, he denied the oral Torah. Yeah, after this conversation, immediately, it developed, un- unfolded this evil. Through the advice of Elazar ben Peter, and he murdered all the rabbis. And the world was in like in shock and stunned. Who was the brother-in-law of Yanei Melech, his wife's brother, and she hit him. was a survivor, single-handedly restored the Torah. He was the depository of all the wisdom that was transmitted for generations. What, what exactly happened? What was the? Why did the rabbi say that initially that she was captured and therefore she may have been raped and therefore Yana is not really a koyin? Elaim, if you're going to say debate today, because two witnesses came and testified that she was captured. And then two witnesses denied it. That's why he investigated and he said it's not true, it's two against two. Why do you rely on the witnesses to say she wasn't captured? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're right, maybe you're right. I have two kosher witnesses who say one thing, I have two kosher witnesses who say the other thing. Hello, we have to say... Always say two cancel each other. They cancel out each other. So she remains So she remains in her chazaka. As far as we knew, she was, a, she was kosher to marry a koyin. So if, if you have two against two, they cancel out each other as if there are no witnesses. Why should we disqualify her in such a case? What's the mother asking? Because she has... You, she for herself has a cheskas kashas, but for the son... The son never had a cheskas kashas. According to these two witnesses, that she was captured and she was raped. He was born in sin. He was born in sin. The, the father was not allowed to marry the mother. And therefore, he never had a cheskas kashas. So why should we assume that Yana is a koyin? We can doubt that maybe he's not a koyin. We should treat him like he's not a koyin. We don't know. So therefore, we have to say... Ella, rather, a 
there's one witness who testifies that the mother, Yana's mother, was, was captured. The time of the today, and there were two witnesses who denied it. There were two witnesses. And that's why he was so angry. That's why Yane got so angry. Because here the rabbis were based on one with testimony of one witness. Here we have two witnesses who clarified with certainty that she was not captured. So he got very upset. He got very angry. You're, just, you're slandering me? Based on one witness? You didn't even bother to verify, investigate? Guilty till proven innocent? Maybe innocent till proven guilty? Why don't you investigate a little before you call your king... Uh, a false kayan. But Allah if not otherwise, Muhammad otherwise, if there weren't two witnesses to contradict this one witness, you would have believed the one witness. So this is the proof, this is what Abai is bringing a proof, that one witness is believed, even when it comes to marital relations. And Ravu disagrees with Abaya. Says one witness is not believed. Like He'll explain. Really, he's talking about there was two witnesses and two witnesses. Initially, there were two witnesses who said that she was captured, and the rabbis based their ruling on that. And then Yana investigated, and he found two witnesses who said no, she was not captured. We're talking about the other two witnesses, not they contradicted each other. The other two witnesses were Eidi Azamba. They said to the first two witnesses, how could you testify? You weren't even present. We don't know if what you're saying is true or not true. You weren't there and you weren't there. But you cannot testify. So now there's no longer any witness, period. They are completely out of the picture. They're taken off the board. If you weren't there, and we believe the second set of witnesses that you weren't there, you're not there. You can't say one way or the other. So as far as we know, nothing happened to her. Talking Ami Beidi Azamba. So over here, we're talking about Beidi Azamba. Rav Achavad is talking about a different case, but the same thing. Rav Achavad Amunyuni, the same thing. Apply it. He boy same. If you want, Rav Asa, I'll give you another explanation, another answer. Like Rabbi Yitzchak. Like Rabbi Yitzchak. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. He says, "V'shivcha Ichnis Tachta." They're adding to the. They're not contradicting the witnesses. They're saying, "You're right. She was captured." But what happened was they, they, they released her. Israeli special forces came and rescued her. And instead they placed a shifcha ichnisu tachda. They replaced her with a double. They replaced her with a, with, a, with, a, with a Canaanite slave, an unjewish slave. They wouldn't know the difference. They looked alike, you know. And uh, so they thought that it was Yanazar. But she was rescued. Before they had a chance to rape her, she was rescued. Now Rav says, We continue on side B, 66B. Where do I know that? What's my source? To say when it comes to marital relations, we don't believe one witness. We learned. Interacted There was an episode. There was a, uh, a pool of water. A mikvah. A person by the name of Diskin in Yavna, and everyone used it. Everyone, we knew that it was a kosher mikvah. It had the right shear, forty saw, and it was measured and it had the right shear. But then, after they used it, people dipped into it, 
uh, impure vessels to purify it, then umadudu, then they measured with imsachaseda. Turns out it was less than the minimum requirement of forty so. Mishnah says, Kol So we had an argument. From now going forward, of course, it's not a kosher mikvah, so I can't use it. What about everything that was done previously? Do I say that it, 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 uh, it lost its minimum amount now, as of this moment? Or do I say, no, retroactively, I don't know from when it was missing. It was missing already a long time ago. So everything that was done here, I should assume is still impure. The people that were dipped in the, the vessels. Rabbi Tarifun says, no, I don't have to, I, since it, was, it started out as kosher, I knew for certain it was kosher. So anything in between is kosher. Now, from now on, it's not kosher, going forward. Rabbi Kiva says, no. I have to suspect, who knows when it stopped, maybe the next minute it stopped stop being kosher. So anything that was done is not, is, is not pure anymore. Rabbi Tarifun. So the, 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 the Sept explains the reasoning, the rationale. Last time we checked, it was kosher. Now we measure it and it no longer has the minimum requirement. So now, out of that, you doubt. You don't, know what, you don't know if it happened now, a minute ago, a day ago, a week ago. So now out of doubt, you want to undo that assumption that we had, that, kosher, that, that everything was okay. You can't do that. A doubt cannot undo a certainty. We had an assumption it was good. There's another assumption here. The person who dipped into the mikveh, the vessel, what we knew for certain is not pure. So you want to undo that certainty with a doubt. Did he go into a kosher mikveh or not? You can't undo that certainty. So Rabbi Tarfin is looking at the mikveh. Rabbi Kiva is looking at the person. You have two assumptions here. The mikveh was assumed it was kosher. You're right. But the person was assumed that, it was, that he was in, in, impure. He was certainly impure. The mikveh was certainly pure, kosher, and the person was certainly impure. Now we have a doubt. When did, they, when did it lose its minimum amount? When did it cease to be a kosher mikveh? So a certainty cannot undo a doubt. So Rabbi Tarvin says a certainty cannot undo, a, a, a doubt cannot undo a certainty that it was a kosher mikveh. Rabbi Kiva says a doubt cannot undo a certainty that the person who dipped in was 100% impure. It's out of a doubt you want to purify it. Since Rabbi Tarvin says, I'm going to prove what I'm saying is correct. I'll give you a parable. A koyin. A koyin was bringing, I think Tarfin himself was a koyin. Tarfin, he was a billionaire also. He stood and he, he's standing on the Mizbeach and he's offering a sacrifice. Suddenly he discovers a secret in the family. That his mother was divorced. His father married a divorced woman. And therefore, he is a disqualified coin. So we say that the, the service is kosher. Even though he's a disqualified coin. In the army, we know how it works. You have your role. If you don't do your role, it doesn't matter what your role is, you're a deserter. In the tract, it's that 
I learned from a Pasuk that even a Kayan who's a Cholov, even a Kayan who's not a disqualified from being a Kayan, the son is disqualified, the father was a Kayan, but the, but the father married a divorcee. So, so after the fact, if the Kayan went ahead and does the service, the service is kosher. Some say even if he does it intentionally, knowing that he's not kosher. But surely in this case, he didn't know. He didn't know the family secrets. Now he discovered he already did the service. But the, the, the service is kosher. So you see that, that, that you don't disqualify the past. Since in the past, as far as we knew, everything was kosher. You went to the mikvah. The mikvah, as far as we knew, was 100% kosher. You went into the mikvah. Now I find out that it's not. You don't disqualify the past. What's done is done. And, and, and from now going forward, it's not kosher. That's the, that's the parable. That, that's the analogy that he's using. I'm Rabbi Kiva. No, I'll give you a different mashup. A parable. A koyan who's serving on the mizbeah. And then he discovers he has a defect. The Torah only says that after the fact, a Koyan who is disqualified, his service is kosher. But not if he's defective. If he has a defect, even if he doesn't know it, and he just discovered it, anything he did is not kosher, even after the fact, even unintentional. So therefore the same thing here. You went to the mikvah, you thought everything was good, but it turns out it's not good. So it doesn't mean anything. It means the person remains impure. You're comparing someone who goes to the mikveh that now we discovered is lacking in the minimal requirement to make it a kosher mikveh. You're comparing it to Balmum, Nakoyan, who has a defect, which even, even the previous service that he did is disqualified. I need the mitzvah, but I'm comparing is the Ben Gerusha, Ben Chazakoyin, who discovers that his mother was a divorcee or halut. Nira lemidoy. Let's see who who which is a better comparison. E doim le Ben Gerusha, Ben Chalutz, if 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 it makes more sense to compare him to a Bengalish and then then you should say that the, the dipping in the mikvah is good. But if he's compared to a defect, then started started uh, started discussing this, and he says, "Why? Let me tell you why I'm comparing it to a Balmum." Because mikveh psulah one person could testify that the mikveh has less than the minimum requirement, forty saw. Because when it comes to Easter, when it comes to prohibitions, one one witness is enough. You believe one witness. Someone says this food is not kosher. I believe him. I don't need two witnesses. So if one says that the mikveh is not kosher, I believe him. And also, one person is believed to testify that the Kayan has a defect. So therefore, therefore, I'm, therefore, it's a better comparison. Dipping in the mikveh is a better comparison to a Kayan who has a Baumum. So just like if you discover afterwards he's a Baumum, anything he did retroactively is not kosher. So too, if you go to a mikveh, you discover it's not kosher. Anything you did previously is not kosher. Doesn't work. 
don't bring me a proof from Ben Gerusha, Ben to say, to claim that the mother is divorced, I need two witnesses. Because when it comes to things of marriage and relationship, yeah, yeah, you need two witnesses. Another, another reason he gives why we're comparing someone who dips into the mikveh to a coin who has a defect. Because mikveh, so a mikveh that's not kosher, that doesn't have the minimum requirement, the mikveh itself is, not, is, is disqualified, it's not a good mikveh. And Bamum, the Kayan who has a defect, he is, there's a defect in him. He is disqualified. Just the mikveh itself is disqualified. So to the Kayan, itself, so it's better to compare a mikveh, which itself is disqualified, to a Kayan himself is disqualified. Versus, if you're saying his mother is a divorcee, there's no problem in the Kayan. The problem is in his mother. See, don't compare a mikveh, the case of a mikveh, to a Kayan whose disqualification is from elsewhere. After, after hearing this, Tarfun was very honest. The rabbi is very honest. He said, let's think logically who is correct. And after Rabbi Kiva brought these two arguments, Tarfun admitted, he agreed to Rabbi Kiva. He says, you know, I'm wrong and you're right. And he says, whoever separates from you, Rabbi Kiva, it's like separating from life itself. See the honesty and the integrity? He's publicly acknowledging to every person who's learning Talmud for all to the end of time. Tarfin is saying, I'm wrong and Rabbi Kiva is right. Now, Rav tries to clarify the words of Rabbi Kiva. Hi, Bamum. Rabbi Kiva says that a defect you believe one witness. How is this? If the Koyan says, I'm not a defect, I have no defect, do we believe one witness? One, one person is not believed if the person uh, contradicts him. Ella, surely the Shasik, we're talking about a case that the Kayan is quiet. And, and, he's, and similarly, when you're saying the case of Ben Gerushim is different, it has to be a similar case, apples to apples. You're saying in the case of marriage and relationship, even in a case like this, when the witness testifies that the mother is a divorced woman and the, and the, and the son is silent, he's quiet, he doesn't contradict him, we dismiss the one witness, we don't pay attention to it. So this is my proof and when it comes to marriage and relationship even if he's silent we don't follow the one witness Abaya will refute this proof he says no really we're talking about that he denies the witness since he denies him, therefore we need to witness. If he denies it, I'm sorry, no, no, there's one witness, but he denies it. He denies the one witness. He's not quiet, he denies it. And that's why, in the case of marriage and relationship, we don't believe the one witness. I also say you don't believe the one witness if he denies it, only if he's silent. Silence is admission. So, why then do you believe the one witness in the case of a defect, even if he contradicts him, he, he denies it? Why is the one witness believe even when the Kayan is denying? He says, I'm not, I don't have any defect. Because the Amalei, the witness says to the Kayan, undress and we'll check you out. <laughs> I know you have a defect. 
You can't deny it. Get undressed, we'll check. By the way, that's what the Nazis used to do. They used to check. If you're circumcised, they know you were Jewish. You know, they were, you know undressed and we'll find out. You can't hide these things. If you have a defect, you can't hide it. We'll see right away. <laughs> so that's why we believe him. Tony Abaye says, and that's why it says in the Mishnah, in continuation of Rabbi Kiva, he says, Mikveb Suli Begufer, Mumum Suli Begufer. Comparison, the Mikveh, which is a defect in the Mikveh, doesn't have the required amount of water, and the Balmum is a defect in the body, in the in the Koyan himself. And don't compare it to Ben Gerusha Ben which the defect is in the mother, it's not in him. But, but that's what he's explaining. That's why we believe the one witness. Even though he's shouting and he's denying, he says, it's not true, I have no defect. You know what you believe? Because it's in your body. He's saying, you can't contradict it. Undress, we'll check you out. So if you refuse to undress, you can deny from today to tomorrow. Exactly. That itself is in the mission. In the case of I'm denying you, so there's no reason I should believe you over him. It's your word against my word. Okay. Says How do we know that even if you discover the mother is a divorcee of Benchalutza and the child therefore is deconsecrated, it doesn't have the sanctity of a Koyan, how do we know that after the fact the service is kosher? And according to some, even if he doesn't intentionally, even if he did know that he's a Ben but after the fact that he did the service, it's kosher. Where do we know this? It says in the Pasuk, that the kuhuna shall be to him, to Aaron, and to his sons afterwards, an eternal covenant. So Zare. Means, could have said, Zare means any Zara, any seed of his, not only his children, any seed of his, even if it's not kosher. Even if it's not kosher. Because they, 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 they take after the father. So even a chol, even if he's disqualified from doing the service of a koyin, the holiness of a koyin, but he's still, he's still his father's son. Okay, Abu Shmulam and the father Shmul said, you know where you learned this from? He learned it from a different pasuk. It says by the Levi, at the end of his life, he blesses Levi. He says, Baruch Hashem Chele, Pel Yadav Hashem blessed Chelei, and the work of his hands, Hashem, Hashem likes and acquiesces, likes. So Chelei means even the Chalolim, even those who are disqualified, they don't have the sanctity. Hashem also agrees with the service. Rabbi brings a third passage. You should bring him to the Koyin that's in his days. What's the pasuk telling me? I mean, I should go to a koyin who's alive today. I mean, I shouldn't go to a koyin who already passed away. We're talking about a koyin that we thought is kosher, 
then it turns out that he's not. It turns out that he's disqualified. He lo- he, he was the son of a divorced woman. So Taita's hinting that there's a year by a koyin that's in his day that we assume he's kosher. And then it turns out he's not kosher. You should go to him. His service is, is, is after the fact, his service is qualified. And the Gemara says, How do we know that if... Why don't you learn one from the other? Why don't you say the same thing? The person that had a defect, didn't know he had a defect. Or after the fact, he went ahead and did the service. How do we know it's completely disqualified? It's name Shmuel. Because it says in the Amakra, it says in the Pasuk, Tell Pinchas about Pinchas. Tell him I'm going to give him Brisi, my covenant, Shalom. Shalom. Shalom also means not just peace. Shalom means Shalom is whole, wholeness. When do you have my Bris? When do you have my covenant? When you are qualified, Koyan, only if you're whole. If you have a defect, you can't do the service. But it says Shalom peace, not Shalom whole. The vav of that shalom is cut in half. It's like it's, it's disconnected. In the middle, there's a space to teach us. You should read it shalom. Those who are ignorant when they read the Torah, they think it's a mistake, and they take out the next Torah and they see the same mistake. They say, wow, what a coincidence! Two Torahs have the same mistake. <laughs> they take out the third Torah, and they start suspecting. You know, maybe I fell asleep that day in the yeshiva when I learned that this, this word. Is meant to be cut off. And the reason why it's cut in the middle is because you have to read it Sholem, you have to be whole. Next Mishnah. Wherever, now we're talking about lineage. Wherever there was a Kiddushin, and it's a valid Kiddushin, a valid betrothal, and there's no sin in this marriage. The, the son, the lineage of the son goes after the father. How is this? Either a Kahanas, a daughter of a Koyan, or a daughter of a Levi, or a daughter of an Israelite, married a Koyan or Levi Yisrael. So since it's a kosher marriage, a daughter of an Israelite can marry a Koyan, a daughter of a Koyan can marry an Israelite. Since it's a kosher marriage, their children go after the father. If the father is an Israelite, the son is an Israelite, even though the mother is a daughter of a Koyan. The father is a Levi, the son is a Levi. The father is a Koyan, even though the, wife, the mother is an Israelite, the son is a Koyan. That's rule number one. Rule number two. But if there's a valid betrothal, but it's a sin, it's illegal, but it's valid. What's done is done, but it's illegal. The lineage you go after the um, the defective one in the marriage. For example, let's say a high priest marries a widow. A high priest is not allowed to marry a widow. He has to marry a virgin. A Kayan who marries a divorced wife, a divorced woman. A wife who had a Chalitza, which is rabbinically prohibited to occur. The Kayan had it. And he marries, yeah. Or. 
He married a mamzeres. So it's a marriage. Mamzeres is a bastard. She was she was an offspring of a marriage. With the Torah says your life gets cut off for you, or there's capital punishment. Brother and a sister. It was incest. The child, the daughter, is a mamzeres. A Jew is not allowed to marry this girl. A Jew goes ahead and marries it. It's a valid kiddushin, but it's illegal. So the child is also considered a mamzer. You go after the mother. She's the mamzeres. So the child is considered a mamzer. Also in the sinna, the sinna, the givainim, the trick, Yeshua. They pretended they came from a distant place to make peace. The, 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 the Israel shouldn't kill them. They erroneously thought they were going to be killed even if they want to make peace. So they pretended they're coming from a distant land and Yeshua made peace with them, promised them, covered them. And then it turned out they were liars. They were locals. They were Canaanites. So he prom- but a promise is a promise. So he turned them into, called Nesinim. He gave them, they had to do the service in the temple, be the water carriers, the, uh, you know, the, the, wood, the, wood, the, the water drawers and the wood carriers. And, um, and, um, and, but, the, but they were prohibited from marrying a Jew. And the, what if we went ahead and married a Yisrael? So the children are considered Nisinim. Hey, Basi saw the mamzer. Let's say a kosher Jewish girl married a mamzer. The husband is a mamzer. Well, the nasi, the husband is a nasi. So the marriage is a marriage. It's 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 valid, but it's illegal. It's against the Torah. So in all these cases, the son has the same status as the the the, the prohibited one in the marriage. A third a third principle. A third general principle. What if it's a relationship which Kiddush? It's not a valid Kiddushin because there's a, a biblical prohibition, a prohibition that comes with a death sentence, either in the hands of heaven, your life gets cut off, or in the hands of court. But she could marry someone else. She can't marry this person. A brother and a sister can't marry. She can marry someone else. So I have a lot of moms in all these cases. The child is considered a bastard. What's the example of this? Anyone who has relations, intimate relations with anyone that the Torah prohibits, an aunt, you know, all different relationships that the Torah lists. So the offspring is a mom's. A, a fourth general principle. But what if there's no Kiddushin, not in this person, not in anyone else? There's no valid Kiddushin. There's no possibility of her marrying a Jew with a valid Kiddushin. So in that case, the, the, the child follows her. The status is the same status as the mother. What is this? Shifcha. It's offspring of a shifcha, a Canaanite, a non-Jewish maid. And how much more so a goya? A shifcha cannot marry any Jew. Not just I can't marry you, I can't marry any Jew. It's not a kosher marriage. She's not considered Jewish to that extent. Especially a shikh. So the child has the same status as the mother, be a shifcha. Also be considered a Canaanite or a goya. That's the mission. Okay, well tomorrow we'll start the game out. Everyone have a wonderful day.